Today we want to talk about recovering your sense of wonder. Because we want to teach our kids, don't lose your sense of wonder. Don't lose your wonder. Kids are born with it. That's why it's such a wonderful thing to have kids. And if you don't have a kid, you should borrow one. Because they will make you see the world again. Because something happens to us as we get older. We get busy. We get hurt. We get all kinds of things happen to us. And we don't look at life with that sense of wonder anymore. And we lose our sense of God. So I want to talk to you today about recovering that sense of wonder. And I want to talk to you about a guy who, who had it, who lost it, who got it back, and he changed the world, literally changed the world. His name was Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. <coughs> Excuse me. The priest of Midian. He led the flock to the west end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God, Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in the flames of fire blazing out of the middle of a bush. He looked. The bush was blazing away, but it not, did not burn up. Moses said, what's going on here? I can't believe this. Amazing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? God saw that he had stopped to look. God called, that's very important, circle that. God saw that he stopped to look. God called to him from out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, yes, I'm right here. God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, Moses. And Moses hid his face, afraid to look at God. I would like for everyone today to pray the prayer that Margaret Feinberg recently prayed and, and shared. She said in her prayer, she said, I begin praying for wonder. Then I added the request to those I lay before God each morning. I never guessed that such a simple prayer could be so potent. In the appeal for wonder, I petition God to rouse me anew to the message of Jesus that shocked the ancient world. I ask God to draw me deeper into his holy presence to reveal divine unspeakables. I beseech the creator of all to renew the childlike sense of wonder that had long since faded under the responsibilities of becoming an adult. Has that happened to you? Have you lost the awe and wonder of life? Is your mind so full of worries, so full of stress, so full of responsibilities and obligations that you're not any fun anymore. You've become, in the words of, in the word of Eden, boring. Moses' life started out as a life of wonder. That's how his life started out. Pharaoh, the uh, prime, the emperor of uh, Egypt, king of Egypt, had gotten insecure about these Jewish people that started out as a family of husband and 12 sons. It started out as this family of 12 people had now grown to uh, well over a million people. And so he began to feel insecure. What would happen if, if they uh, became uh, military, militarily uh, inclined and, and decided to to start an insurrection. What could happen? He was afraid he couldn't control them. So he began to, uh, to commit genocide, really. 
And he did so by commanding that all newborn baby boys be executed and be killed. Moses had a mother named Jochebed. By the way, when people lack wonder and imagination, they solve their problems in very brutal and uncreative ways. In fact, Pharaoh's problem was he lacked imagination. He lacked wonder. He, if he would just ask himself, really, so many amazing things will happen in your life if you'll begin to ask this question, I wonder if. I wonder what would happen if. I wonder what would happen if Pharaoh would have just had a creative conversation, said, I wonder what would happen if we would become partners and friends with the Jewish people. I wonder what would happen if we would nurture them and encourage them and bless them. I wonder what would happen if we turned them into people who were motivated to make our country great. But instead, he took the option which some of you have taken, which instead of to live in wonder, a wonder what if could happen, you live in fear of always of what you believe will happen if you don't do something. So instead of being in wonderment at these amazing people, these amazing people called them Jews, instead of being amazed by them, he was terrified of them. But Jochebed, the mother of Moses, was an I wonder kind of a person. Here she was with babies being killed all around her, with, under this terrible, brutal regime of Pharaoh. And here she was in the middle of this horrible terrible, incredibly bad situation, as bad as we see anywhere in the world today, under an ISIS-like regime. And this, in this environment, she said, I wonder what would happen if. I wonder what would happen if I created a, an amphibious basket and I put it in the Nile River where Pharaoh's daughter goes, to, uh, and, uh, Pharaoh's princesses and daughter and all these people from the palace, I mean, to say, if, if they went down there, where they go down and bathe, what if, I, what if I put Moses in the basket and I put him in the river and I stationed my daughter nearby? I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if I, if I put his big sister Miriam watching the basket. You, you see, when we live in a state of wonder, we live in the realm of faith and we live in the realm of creativity we live in the realm of positivity and adventure. And Jochebed was blessed with the ability to wonder. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what God could do if I would do something that the other mothers aren't doing. Jochebed chose to move into the world of wonder and the supernatural instead of the inevitability of the tragic. I'm reminded me of that story in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, there were a group of lepers in Samaria and the Arameans had invaded the land of Israel. And so they had cut off the nation's food supply and a bunch of lepers were sitting around one day and, you know, they didn't have a lot to lose. <laughs> and they go, I wonder what would happen if we just went walking into the camp of the Arameans. I just wonder what would happen. And they go, you know what they said? The coolest thing, they said, why sit we here till we die? Let's, let's try it. Isn't that like a kid? Isn't that just what kids do? Let's, 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 hey, let's try. Let's try 
putting some wheels on this and going down the hill. And let's see what happens. That's what kids do. And that's what grown-ups stop doing. We stop trying stuff. We stop believing. And, and you know, the story ends great. They, they go to the camp of the Arameans and God... God caused the Arameans to hear noises like they were being invaded by this army and they fled the camp and the the lepers went and had a feast. You'd be surprised what God would do for you if you'd begin to live in the world of wonder. If you'd begin to live in your imagination. Did you know faith and imagination work together? Faith, faith is just unleashing your imagination. The Bible says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. So, so it's just, a, it, faith requires getting your cognitive faculties engaged. Amen? Carlisle, uh, an S, an, uh, Carlisle a, a, a writer named Carlisle, said, The man who cannot wonder who does not habitually wonder, is like a pair of spectacles behind which there are no eyes. Paul was quoting the prophet Isaiah in Acts 28, 7, when he said, For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Isn't that interesting? When you stop seeing and stop hearing, you stop knowing God, because God is in the world of our imagination. God is in the world of wonder. So Moses grew up with this world of wonder, wonderful. I can just imagine, you know, by the way, let me tell you the rest of the story for those of you who don't know, and probably most of us do, uh, because the story is pretty, pretty famous story, but they put Moses in the basket, and And Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe and she and her servants came and they see the baby in the basket and they go, how cute. You were so darling. You were so precious. And they took the baby and Miriam comes out of the bushes and she knew that they would need a nursing mom to take care of the baby. And she said, would you need me to find a nursing mom for you to take care of this baby? And Pharaoh's daughter said, that is a great idea. Do you have anybody? So she runs and she gets Jochebed, Moses' mother, and she goes to live in the palace or wherever they lived, I don't know, in the compound, you know, in Hyannis probably or someplace. Mar-a-Lago, I don't know, Trump Towers. And she goes there, and she lives. And you know, you know they kept the basket. You just know. You just know that in the playroom was the basket. And as Moses began to talk, and I don't know, I was wondering, as I was studying for this, I wonder if he called her mom. I don't know. I don't know if he called her mom. She was like a nanny. I don't know. But let's say he called her mom. He said, Mom, what's the basket about? And she told, because you know the kid's going to ask. Kids ask about everything. Ask about the size of your nose, the size of your ears, why your breath is so bad. A little girl told me one time, she said, do you 
ever work. She said, all I ever see you do is stand around. I mean, if a kid sees it, they're going to ask about it. <laughs> and, and so she told the story, this amazing story of wonder. Moses, I was just wondering what would happen if I put you in the basket. And I put you in the basket. And here you are today. You're living in the palace because I wondered what would happen because I lived in wonder. L look at what wonderful thing has happened to you. You're being raised by Pharaoh. You're being raised in Pharaoh's court. And you're going to go to Pharaoh's school. And you're going you're to ha have Pharaoh's wardrobe. And you're going to be taken care of, Moses. This is, Moses, God is so wonderful. There are three dimensions of wonder. What, one is, I wonder what God could do. That's called faith. We have a lot of wonderful people at Bethany. We have a lot of people in this church who try a lot of things, and I love it. I love living in an environment where we try things because we just wonder what God could do if we tried something. Isn't that great? Amen? Kids wonder what would happen if they tried something. Have you ever noticed that, kids? I wonder what would happen if we did that. <laughs> Jeff Doran was telling me that he wondered what would happen if he taped like a dozen or more smoke bombs together, lit them, and threw them in the bush. This is perfect. I said, Thank you. That's a perfect illustration because we're talking about Moses. We're going to talk about Moses in the burning bush. Because instead of this technicolor dream coming true that he imagined multicolors coming out of this bush, the bush caught on fire. And, 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 and there, there happened to be an incinerator nearby, so he, he blamed it on the incinerator. The sparks must have... Must have gone from the incinerator and turned the bush, got the bush on fire. Uh, any of you ever, ever have kids that try anything? Any of you ever try anything when you were a kid? You, you're, what, what you, no, you're not telling? Any, anybody want to tell us something? You tried. What? Nope. It burned every, I did, I burned a lot of things when I was a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else got a? I wonder what would happen if, when you were a kid, get inside a tire and roll down a hill. I wonder what could go wrong, right? Speak up. Okay, I couldn't hear you, sir. Okay, okay. Well, anybody else got, got one? What? Okay, wonderful. Okay, awesome. So, so you see, what if we... And we're doing it around here all the time. It happens all the time around Bethany. I know some, some poor people have to go to churches where the, they never try anything. You know, they, they never sit around and go, I wonder what if. But we, we're just like, they're those kind of people. We're, I wonder what would happen 
and we try stuff. And God does cool stuff around here because we're always wondering what would happen. Wonder what, wonder what we could put in that building. You know, that's what we do around here. Wonder it. So the first dimension is a wonder what God could do. The, the other is a wonder what God is doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kids wonder about things that grown-ups no longer notice. Abraham Heschel is a, a Jewish rabbi who writes about amazement and wonder all the time. And I've got two or three quotes of his here today that I'm excited to share with you. He said, the surest way to suppress our ability to understand the meaning of God and the importance of worship is to take things for granted. What, let me ask you a question, and I want you to think about this. What extraordinary, unusual things are you, are you dis- ignoring, dismissing, or discounting? Even that happen, have already happened here today. Teenagers leading worship. Did you go, oh, that's wonderful. That's amazing. To, to, to live in a, be in a room today with wonderful, amazing people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are amazing. Just tell them, you're amazing. Are you curious? Are you curious? When, are you curious about people that the people that are around you, are you curious about the things about them that are awesome? Are you curious about the things that are amazing? Some of the people sitting around you have amazing, they're sitting around you today, some people have amazing parenting skills. They're doing an amazing job. Have you stopped to look at that? Have you stopped to think about how do you do that? There's some people around here, they're like, they're like single moms in this place that are raising like two, three kids and working full time and come to church and they're always smiling and they're always helping other people and they're always caring about other people. Do you ever stop and go, wow, how do you do that? There are people who in this room who deal with incredible difficulties and stress and some incredible pain and, and they overcome it and, and they, they, still, they still help other people and they still care. Do you ever think, how do you do that? There, there, are, there are marriages in this room that were just all messed up and all going downhill and headed for divorce court, but something happened. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever go, what, what happened? What happened? What did you do? There are people in this room who have overcome tremendous odds financially to succeed financially when they were so down and so broken. And I could tell you stories if it wouldn't be inappropriate to give away people's privacy. I could tell you stories this morning of people who were so down financially, just seemed no way. And if, if I could show you where they are right now and how God has blessed them, how they begin to do things the right way, they begin to, they begin to give God a tenth and begin to pay tithe, and, and they begin to be diligent, and they begin to practice some things, they begin to be humble, and, and they went to uh, Scott 
Pfeffer's Dave Ramsey course, and they, they, they learned about how to get their finances under control, and now things are so much better in their life. Do you ever pay attention to that? Do you ever stop aside and see the bush that's burning that doesn't get consumed? Do you ever stop aside to say, this is amazing? Do you ever step? Do you ever? Do you ever? Do you ever look at what God? And I know we talk about it quite a bit about compassion, New England. But have you? Do you ever like just? I just drive out to the Blessing Barn or or, to, or, or the Milford Barn or the Menden Barn. I just drive there sometimes just to stare at the building. I really do. I just drive over there to stare at it and say, God, I can't believe you gave us this. I can't believe this is working. This is unbelievable. I can't believe you gave us this vision. I, 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 I literally will, will drive downtown just to drive by that building and see the words, love your neighbor on the side. Like, God, I can't believe you did this. This is awesome. What about those special people in your life? Those friends that stick closer than brothers. Those people that, that you, maybe you're sitting near them this morning, maybe you're not. What, what about the people? What about the people that have invested in your life for free? They didn't charge you anything. They just invested in your life because they cared. What about those people? What about those people that helped you with your kids? What about, what about, what about Bethany Christian Academy? You know, as I've watched, how many students was it? Nine, I believe, that, that graduated here? It, uh, Friday night, seven. Now, this is, this is, this is was so encouraging to seven young men and two young women. You know, I remember growing up in church when it was, was, was a, totally a female thing to love the Lord. And, and to care about the things of God and to be interested. But here we go. We're graduating these people. And we see these amazing teachers and these amazing staff who, who just do such incredible things in people's lives. And I don't know if you were here, but Mrs. Yasitovich gave one of the most incredible speeches at uh, Friday night that I've, I've ever heard. It was amazing. Do you ever get amazed? Do you ever get amazed at anything? Does anything reach you? That's what I want to know here today. Does anything reach you? Did anything touch you? Or you have you become a stone? Have you become a hard-hearted stone? Do you ever have food that just amazes you? Do you ever try any new food? Do you ever try anything new? Do you, Jay is a foodie. He lives in a food adventure. He told me about this place. In fact, he's been bringing back from... I, I'm not a donut person. I, I never buy a donut at Dunkin' Donuts in these places. But he brought back donuts from this place called Need Donuts in Providence. And I was there for, with a bunch of pastors, a whole bunch of pastors. And so I went down to downtown Providence and I bought a dozen of these things. I mean, it's like I had to take a second mortgage on my home to buy these things. And I came and I passed them out to the pastors and that, these donuts changed their life. <laughs> I'm telling you, one pastor said, I am your friend forever. <laughs> if you want to know God, 
You've got to live a big life. You've got to buy people donuts. Great donuts. And I decided, we go down, we're, we're rushed on time. The guy that went with me, he had to run the business meeting in the afternoon. So we had to get right back. So I made a decision. The first place I see to eat, I'm gonna, we're going to eat. I don't care what it is. Because we don't have time to talk about this. So I didn't even ask him. We turned the corner and there's a place called Just Say Cheese. You ever eat at Just Say Cheese in Providence? It's the burning bush. Mac and cheese with jalapeno peppers, all kinds of other stuff that I can't remember right now, but just amazing stuff. You say, what does that have to do with God? Who do you think the creator is? Who do you think made mac and cheese? Who do you think made the stuff they put in the donuts? Who do you think, now I'm serious, who do you think put it in the heart of a brain of a person? To say, let's fix some food that's not boring. Let's fix some food that has flair to it and taste to it. Let's, fi- let's, fi- let's make some food that will make your mouth happy. Let's make some food that will excite your taste buds. God could have made a black and white world. I mean, God could have had the conception of children be caused by eating a, some weird plant. <laughs> But God wanted you to have fun. God wanted you to find life exciting. God wanted you to be in awe. God wanted you to say, wow. Every day when God got done creating, you know what he said? This is good. This is good. Every day. And yet some of us are wandering around in God's creation. And every day we're going... This is boring. I can't see anything to be happy about. Step aside to see the burning bush. My time, my pace is way off. I got to speed up here. I'm having too much fun with this sermon. So Moses did what a lot of us do. Did I give you the third dimension of worship? Wonder, oh, I, I, let me give this to you just for those of you who are anal retentive and you're taking notes, okay? You want all the notes. And you're not, you don't have the app. Wonder of how God works. That's wisdom. I wish I had time to talk about that. That's an important point. Wisdom of how God works is wisdom. The Bible says that God showed Moses in Psalms 103.7, God showed Moses how he went about his work. It says he revealed his acts to the people of Israel, but his ways, is the King James Bible, his ways to Moses. So Moses got a glimpse into how God works, and God turned an introvert. If you study Moses, he was an introvert. He was not an extrovert. He was an introvert man who stammered and had a, he had a speech impediment. And he was afraid to talk. And God took him because he discovered the wonder of God. And God made him a world changer who in the, at the, his grand finale was to take two million Jewish people, to take an entire nation and march them out of Pharaoh's uh, arm, uh, of conquest and Pharaoh's domination across the Red Sea into freedom. That's what God get, did to a man who learned how to say, I wonder what would happen if. 
So, what happens to Moses, though? Well, Moses sits around the palace one day, and he's learned to be someone who says, I wonder what would happen if... He says, I wonder what would happen if I engaged with my people, Israel. Because you know Jochebed had taught him about his heritage and what God had in store for this great nation. And I, he's sitting around there one day, and I think, I wonder what would happen if I go out and I talk to them and I eat with them and I care about their problems and I begin to care about what's happening to them. And he went out and he began to engage with them. And one day there's a, an altercation between an Egyptian and a Jewish man. He stepped in, altercation, a fight occurred, Moses wins, kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. Long story short, Pharaoh found out. And Moses wasn't in favor anymore. In fact, he was in big trouble. He knew he was going to die. And so he ran away from a life of adventure. He ran away from wonder. He ran, you know, if, uh, it's kind of like this. If, if, uh, if, the, if, if my hand were the map of the Middle East, Egypt would be my thumb. And Israel would be where my index finger is. And right here in the palm of my hand would be Saudi Arabia. Southern, Southern Jordan is up here. And Saudi Arabia is right here. And he goes, he leaves Egypt, goes around the Red Sea. And he ends up in Saudi Arabia. In a place called Midian. They call it Midian then. They don't call it that now. He ends up in Midian. And uh, he meets a guy who has a daughter. And he gets married and gets a job and has a kid. You know, stops wondering, stops caring. 40 years. I know, not four years, friends, for 40 years. There's hope for some of you. <laughs> some of you have been living in Median for a long time. You quit wondering because you started paying a mortgage and you started paying taxes and you started paying car payments and you started fighting with your spouse and you're trying to get your kids off to school and you're worried about college and you're worried about everything and you stop believing God for great stuff and you stop caring about people who are hurting and broken because Moses just disconnected and he planned to retire in Midian. But the angel of God <laughs> appeared to him in the flames of a burning bush. Out of the middle of the bush, he looked. The bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. Moses said, what's going on here? I can't believe this. Amazing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? What was God doing? He was putting Moses back in touch with a sense of wonder. See, that's what God's trying to do to you by putting all these wonderful things around you that some of you have learned to ignore and some of you have learned to discount and some of you have learned to dismiss and some of you are so caught up in your own pain and your own disappointment, like Moses, and your own disenchantment. You tried, you tried to be wonderful, but it didn't work. You tried to be amazing, but look what happened. And you ran away. And God, this morning, in this service, on this Memorial Day weekend, he's calling you back to the burning bush. Who said that? Was that Sherry? 
Okay, thank you. I'd like some more of those. Because that was a good point. <laughs> I know, because when I was studying, God said, that's a good point. No, seriously, God is calling you back. God is calling you back. Some of you, some of you have gone through a divorce or two divorces. I don't know. You, some of you lost, some of you filed bankruptcy. But all this stuff happened. Some of you have gotten rejected. Some of you have been rejected. You've been rejected by a church. You've you gotten hurt in religion. And you stop dreaming. You stop imagining. And God is putting amazing things around you to deliver you from your cynicism. He's delivering you from your cynicism this morning. God was restoring Moses to his ability to wonder. He used something in nature, which, by the way, it was not uncommon, or at least it was not impossible that a bush would, would, uh, would combust in the desert and begin to burn. What was unusual is that it didn't burn up. God was restoring to Moses the ability to wonder. See, the people of God were suffering back in Egypt, but Moses had lost his curiosity. The people of God were begging God for deliverance, but Moses wasn't curious about God. God he, most, he knew about God, but he wasn't asking God anymore. God's timing was ready. God's timing now is he was ready to deliver them and take them to the promised land. But since Moses wasn't wondering, he was missing the heart of God. They say curiosity killed the cat, but a lack of curiosity is killing the work and worship of believers. I said, they say curiosity killed the cat, but a lack of curiosity is killing the work and worship of Christians in America today. How can God bring grown-ups back to a sense of wonder? Let me give you, in closing today, some ways that God wants to bring us back to wonder. God brings us back to a sense of wonder by putting amazing things in our path. I've already mentioned some of those things. It could be a song. It could be a sermon. It could be a sunset. It could be a person. It could be a kindness. It could be a book. There's so, much, there's so many books out there that are waiting to amaze you. It may be some, it's got to be something that makes you go, wow. Something that if you're paying attention, it makes you go, awesome. You see, the problem with a culture that worships science is that science is always trying to move us away from wondering and they move us to the place of knowing. Science causes, causes us, if it gets off track and if it misses its purpose, it moves us to ask only what happened and not who is behind it. The right question, the best question is not what's going on, but the best question is, who is making it happen? It was, Moses saw the bush, but it wasn't about the bush. It was about the God who caused the bush to burn. It was about the God who was speaking through the bush. Bruce Epperly said, radical amazement is the heart of the spiritual adventure. Our goal should be to live a life of radical amazement. Abraham Hersch Heschel, the rabbi that I talked about earlier, said, 
We should get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Oh, I like that. To be spiritual is to be amazed. So God brings back our sense of wonder by putting amazing things in our path. God brings us back to a sense of wonder by longing for us to turn aside. Exodus 34, 3 and 4, God saw that he had stopped to look. God pursues us by putting the amazing in our path to arrest our attention. Again, Rabbi Heschel talks about turning aside is the reason God created the Sabbath. Here's what he said. The meaning of the Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of the things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. It is a day on which we are called upon to share in what is eternal in time, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation. From the world of creation to the creation of the world. So God brings us back to a sense of wonder by begging you and longing for you. You know, all those things I tried to mention a while ago, the, 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 the youth and to see them moving toward God and music and friends and people around you that are awesomely overcoming their struggles. The reason I want you to do that is because that is the instrument that God is using. God brings us to that. God called to him from out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, yes, I'm here. God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. You know, I had, the, uh, I had a remove my sandals kind of moment three or four years ago, sitting on a jetty at uh, uh, Dennisport. Something about the ocean. And I, some stuff was happening at that point in my life. I felt alone. And I felt afraid. And I sat there and I, seeing the ocean come in, I didn't even know that I knew the words of the song. In fact, I don't know. I didn't write them down, so I, don't, I may even mess them up now. But they came to me that day. It's, it went like this. And the words just came. I, did, I didn't try to think of it. I saw the ocean and the words, if you the ink with ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made and every tongue on earth a quill and say, I messed up the words. And every man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean completely dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. I begin to weep as I sang that song. I begin to sing that to God. Because the ocean drew me to God because that, it's God's world. The Bible says in him we live and, ha- live and have our being. It's everywhere. That delicious food that you're going to hopefully bite into this afternoon or tomorrow. That delicious food you're going to bite into. If you're oriented properly, you're going to say, thank you, God. It's not hard to know God. It's not hard to know God. He's in all the experiences that you think are good and wonderful and awesome and beautiful and amazing. The devil has ripped them off. 
The devil has ripped them off and perverted them so that religion's response has often been to stop that. Don't you enjoy that? If it's fun, it's not of God. And God has said, no, I want to bring you back, give you the righteous boundaries that will keep you from sinning and destroying yourself with nature. Stop you from sinning and destroying yourself with that which is pleasurable and start start having it serve the purpose for which I intended that it would bring you into the knowledge of the holy and the knowledge of the most high God and that you would rejoice and say, what a wonderful God we have. Amen? I remember Catherine Marshall wrote in her book something more years ago about a woman on a whale watch out of uh, out of Cape Cod that she went on who had a huge picnic basket in her lap. And she barely looked up from her picnic basket to look at the whales, but was constantly looking down at her picnic basket, gorging on the food that she had brought, that she missed the purpose for being on a whale watch. Don't do that in life. Look up, look around you, experience the people that are around you, the things that are around you. See, what did God tell Moses to do? The act of removing shoes was a sign that he was moving from awe to reverence. For Moses to remove his shoes, now this is very important because it's not enough just to be amazed. You have to move beyond amazement. For Moses to remove his shoes meant he was willing to go from do as I please, as I please, to I will do as I'm told. I'm so awed by this God to truly finish the act of awe. You must become humble before God. Imagine the 48-hour press blitz when Moses went back to deliver the people from Israel. Imagine. Imagine what the press began to say. We have researched Moses' record And he has a homicide in his record. He's a murderer. But you know what? Here's here's what's really cool. Listen to this. Moses didn't explain or teach or argue to try to convince the people of the Israelis and the Egyptians that he was called to save them. You know what he did? He threw his rod on the ground and his staff, and it became a serpent. He took his hand, and he put it inside of his garment, pulled it out, and it was leprous. He put it back in, and pulled it out again, and it was healed. Do you get the point? God chose to do something, and Moses now realized that if you want to win people to God, you must do something amazing. Don't argue with them. Don't try to instruct them just alone, but do something amazing. Moses did this thing, and you know what happened? Those people who for a long time were oppressed to the point of exhaustion now had hope because they saw an amazing God. So today, stop being bored. 
Stop being a boring adult. Start being amazed. Start being amazed. Go out of your way to be amazed. I have an assignment for you today. I have an assignment for you this Memorial Day weekend. Go find something amazing. How many of you will do that? Go do something amazing. Go do something that makes you go, wow. Have a conversation that makes you go, wow. Do something. See something. Have a moment. Create a memory. Because in those moments and in those memories is the Most High God. In those moments and in those memories is the God of Israel that is saying, I am here. I love you. I created the world for you. I am redeeming you. And I'm going to redeem all those beautiful things that Satan has corrupted. I'm going to redeem all those beautiful experiences that Satan has perverted and used to kill people and bind people, and I'm going to redeem them. I'm not going to destroy them. And notice this, God is not a destroyer, He's a redeemer. Hallelujah. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.